0: The Holy Gospel according to John, the twelfth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Dear friends, grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We think that we know glory in our human context, but we really don't. We experience things in this life that seem glorious in the moment because of the sense of triumph that can accompany such moments, the emotions that they evoke deep within us because of the unlikelihood of success or because what success represents on a deeper level. I'm remembering about a friend in college who grew up in a hockey family and the culture that worshipped the sport and lived to play in such glorious moments, just like the 1980 Olympic gold medal game between the USA and the USSR. When we would gather for a movie night in college, that friend never missed an opportunity to suggest the movie Miracle that chronicle this underdog story. There was more to this story that made it glorious in the eyes of fans, apart from the obvious gap in ability and experience between the two teams. There was the tension of the already decades-old and still-present Cold War, and what it meant for the Americans to win this battle, figuratively speaking, against their sworn enemy without casualty, and in true Cold War fashion, when they felt that they would not win the war outright. All of this, though perhaps inspiring, does not compare to the glory of what our God has done through his son, Jesus. More, the story of that miracle on ice in 1980 echoes the sort of glory the Old Testament was all about victory through conquest, often by way of war and violence. What else is more glorious in this world than victory? Well, our God would answer sacrifice. Perhaps the sacrifice of God's only Son that brought an end to the power of sin, death, and the devil over us in this world. To be fair, Hollywood hasn't completely missed the chance to draw attention to this central Christian belief and teaching. And no, I'm not just talking about movies like Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, because that is the story that we will be talking about as we inch closer and closer to Easter in this season of Lent. I'm talking about a different movie from 1989, Coincidentally, the year the wall came down, but having nothing to do with the Cold War. The actual title, Glory. Perhaps you recall this movie, set in the American Civil War era. It chronicles the story of one of the first all-African-American regiments in the Union Army in the United States. The regiment is remembered for its heroic efforts at Fort Wagner, In which they volunteered, in spite of every odd against their success, to lead the charge of the Union Army against the fort. Although they were successful in breaching the outer defenses after much casualty, the Union Army never gained control of the site. But the valiant, no, the glorious sacrifice of the 54th Regiment from the Massachusetts Voluntary Infantry gave courage to every soldier in the Union forces, a courage that could help them eventually win the war. Today's Gospel from John communicates the ultimate glorification that comes willingly to Jesus' feet. Glory through sacrifice. When victory could have come in a traditional fashion for God and Jesus, instead they chose sacrifice. This juxtaposition of victory through sacrifice makes little sense in most kingdoms of this world, but not God's. This is a truly powerful and inspiring thing to realize, not just for our own faith, but for how we live our lives. And don't hear me saying that you need to go out and sacrifice yourself in such ways, but perhaps there are ways in which you might prove not to glorify ourselves or yourself, but rather to give glory to God. Because when we mirror God and Jesus, we glorify God and Jesus. Interestingly, this is the only experience in which we see a two-way conversation occur between Christ and his Father in heaven. But as much as bystanders assume the conversation is for their benefit and the two involved in our gospel story, they quickly learn that it was for their benefit, for their faith. Mary Hinkle Shore, a, pr- a pastor and former professor from my theological seminary, describes our response to what Jesus helps the disciples understand Quote, Bearing much fruit means losing one's life. This is not done easily or thoughtlessly. Jesus considers and rejects a prayer like the one prayed in Gethsemane. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No. Jesus instead opts for the prayer, Father, glorify your name. And in reply he hears, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. I don't know about you, but I appreciate that in spite of the glorification of this moment, well before his arrest and persecution, Jesus ends up praying the prayer in the garden that he says he wouldn't. And although it is not his final prayer, it shows that even God in Jesus considered for a moment, in a divine way, to intervene in the terrible crucifixion, that was about to occur. But the true glory in this passage, in the interaction between God the Father and God the Son, is that to those with ears to hear, the connection between Jesus and the Father is steadfast even as the hour of his death approaches. Mary Hinkle Shore says that in John, Father and Son are always on the same page. We see this in this story in chapter 8, in chapter 14. Furthermore, the glory of each is the love that they share, the same love that Jesus shares as he washes the disciples' feet, the same love that he shows as he lays down his life for his friends. And as lifted up, he draws all people to himself. The challenge of the beauty of this glory and of this calling, this understanding of this relationship, is that few have ears to hear it. As I mentioned before, the people think the voice is thunder or maybe an angel. They do not recognize that it is the unmediated voice of God, and they do not know that it is for their benefit. The Father is bearing witness to the Son, and usually it's the other way around, and that witness is mostly missed by its hearers. Our constant and our unending prayer when it comes to faith and communicating with our God is that we have the ability to hear when God is calling. We long for this mature sort of hearing that allows us to hear God through the filters of this life, of this world, that would make us doubt God's voice in our lives. Much like the effects of a pandemic, all the noise of the anxiety and the fear over what the coronavirus has done for over a year now. We just passed the one-year anniversary in which we moved to online worship for the first time, even though since then we've been back in person and then back online, back and forth. But the focus of the glory of God isn't meant to leave us with sacrifice on our minds, but with love. When instead we focus on things that are temporal, that are temporary about this world, we should think about the eternal, the divine things like love. A love that in its weakness by standards of this world is stronger than the greatest power and victor in this world. When we have ears to hear, when we hear and experience God's love that transcends all parameters of what this world tries to place on love, then we can too say it is a love that draws all things. To itself, all things. And that love is for everyone. No questions asked. I can't think of anything else claiming to have the same limitless love in this world. Can you? So then there's no question how glorious this love is and how much it, it affects how much its effect is meant for us and for us to affect the world with that love. So pray with me that God can guide us in these days, that we can hear and understand this love shown to us through God's only Son. Pray with me that we can find hope that although many of these days seem shrouded in the victory of darkness, of disease, of death, that the love of God lights the way until tomorrow, until the next day, and that we can help be that light for others in this world, when we can again try to mirror the glorious love shown to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.